So we're going to get started here this morning, even though we already have started. But as we begin to worship God, there is a, a sense in which God is so in control that everything that we need is already provided and there's a comfort and there's a security in the fact that no matter what challenges we are faced with that provision is present so father we want to we want to lean into your presence today with faith that says before the foundations of the world, Jesus was crucified. You provided what was necessary for the sin of mankind. Before the foundations of the world, Lord, you saw the beginning from the end. Not only the journey that Jesus would walk, but the journey of our lives. You have seen every day, every moment, every trial, and you have made provision. And so, Father, as we worship you today, we come acknowledging your goodwill, your power, your faithfulness, your love. So let's enter in and honor him this morning. Just continue speaking the name of Jesus. Because the church, you, the church, are the voice of God in the earth. And when you speak the name of Jesus, you're releasing something into the atmosphere. You are releasing something. When you're saying the name of Jesus, you are projecting the rule of God into this community. Beginning with your own life, we're saying in the name of Jesus... Jesus, Jesus, he is the Lord. We lift up the name of Jesus. There are unruly elements in our community. There, are, there is a lawless spirit. There is corruption. There are demonic forces moving through people. And as you speak the name of Jesus, you are imposing on the community the rule of God. We are saying... Jesus, the name of Jesus, law and order, law and order, law and order in this community. Now, don't be passive. Please, 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 church. You, you are God's manifestation of the kingdom of God in this world. What you say right now. What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of your mouth right now? It's like if you were the police pulling somebody over, imposing the rule of law, somebody has to do it. And you are the ones. We say let every work of darkness unravel in this community. We say every demonic strategy will begin to break down, will begin to collapse. We say in the name of Jesus, critical moments where things 
uh, are meant to come together, they will not. They will not come together. In the name of Jesus, we say let light penetrate the darkness. We say let light penetrate the darkness. Everything from the secret crime to adultery to demonic activity of spirits that move to bring depression and witchcraft, we say in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God is great. The name of Jesus is great. The name of Jesus is great. God is trying to get us to participate in the kingdom of God at a whole different level. And, and uh, some of you have been experiencing some things in the last number of months that you don't fully understand. But God is bringing you into the battle in a real way. And, uh, you know, when, uh, the, one of the great illustrations of Scripture is when Israel took Jerusalem. When Israel took Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the pinnacle of spiritual warfare in the earth. It is so because God declared that that is his eternal capital. There's a heavenly Jerusalem and an earthly Jerusalem. He will rule from Jerusalem. And one day, the heavenly and the, and the earthly will meet together. That's why there continues to be so much calamity, so much division over Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the high point, the pinnacle. is the highest place in the earth spiritually. As such, it's the greatest warfare. Well, here's the thing about Jerusalem. When they went to t tackle it in the natural, it's a city set on a hill. It's a high place, and it's a walled city set on a high place. Difficult to capture. And so uh, when the Jebusites were repelling uh, Israel, David was going up to take it. They said, the Jebusites said, he said, you know, we are so secure here that we won't even need to fight you. In fact, he said this. They boasted this. They said, the blind... Uh, the, and the lame will repel you, the blind and the lame. So on our walls, we are going to put the blind and the lame. So when you come up to conquer the city, you're going to run into the blind and the lame. That is a spiritual picture of principalities and powers. When you come against a stronghold, you actually start to feel the thing, the essence of which they carry. You hear what I'm saying? So if God is actually getting you to begin to pray against the against pornography, against lust, actually, you know what you're going to start to come up? You're going to start to feel what the nature of those things are. And you know what it comes across as? You start to become blind and lame. You actually come into the thing of that thing. You're actually starting to touch the essence, the nature of that spirit. And, it, and where it touches you first is in the natural. So where you are unredeeming, you be actually begin to experience temptation. And if you misconceive that, if you actually come under that, or you feel guilty just because you're feeling and thinking, you actually are immediately repelled. And so, uh, so that's, that's how you are discouraged from advancing on that stronghold. But there's a key. He said, uh, what, what, what David said is, is, is climb up the water spout. But in the center of the city, there's a water spout. There is actually a natural spring, and that you could climb up that water spout. And it is a picture that God has made access to every spiritual stronghold through a, through a fountain. There is a fountain at the center of every high place in the earth, spiritually. That, and that, that can be accessed through going up in the spirit through the center of these things. So... There's two things that are happening. God is trying to get you 
to attack that thing, not uh, in the spirit. So you come up the water spout. And when you come against it in the natural, you start to experience those two things. So there's this duality in your experience. So I want to say to you right now, if you've been in, 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 encountering depression, if you've been encountering disillusionment, if you've been encountering accusation, jealousy, pornography, fear, uh, all kinds of these things, uh, you know, just confess your sin, confess your vulnerability, and then go up the water spout. Just step into the realm of the Spirit. This is not about you. This is about what God is actually empowering you to come against. So I want us to begin to say it again, in the name of Jesus, we declare in this community, in the name of Jesus, we declare in this community, we declare in this community, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, this place will be flooded with rivers of living water. We intercede for our city. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, what is man? that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him you have made him a little lower than the angels that you have crowned him with the glory and honor and set over him the works of your hands you have set over us the work of your hands we are in Christ Jesus you have crowned him with glory and honor and have set over him the works of your hands and you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. This is the reality of what God is training us for. To rule and to reign with him. To rule and to reign. You know, there's an element, and I, I, I have this thing, this vision of stuff swirling around in my being, but God is saying, listen, I'm calling you to actually do this, to actually do this, to be involved in subjecting the world to my rule. Not just in theory. Not just as an idea, not just through songs that others write that inevitably will happen. I am bringing you in this day into actual place of ruling and reigning in this community. Do not shrink back. Do not shrink back. Do not shrink back. You know, if you go to uh, some presentation, some theater show and you when you sit there's two there's two perspectives there's the perspective of those that are putting the show on and there's a perspective of those who are watching the show for the purpose of entertainment everybody's in the same room but there's two very distinct uh, different perspectives some are coming to be entertained they're there for the show 
they're ooing and aahing because of the challenge and, and because of the, 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 you know, the mystery what's going on. If it's a magic show or, or if it's uh, you know, two people looking in each other's eyes singing these wonderful love songs. But you know what? If you go behind the scene, you start the magic of those moments starts to wear away. The reality of what's really this is starts to, starts to hit home. First of all, those two people singing into each other's faces, I love you, they actually hate each other. They're mad at each other. They're striving. It's only when they come out on stage and look at each other do they smile and sing those nice things. Suddenly, it's not so magical. So suddenly, you got strife, you got division, you got technical problems. When you get behind the scenes, you really you see what it is. Now, it's just as entertaining as it was before, but now you're getting a different picture of it. You're seeing the work that's involved. You're seeing the humanity that's behind this. It actually doesn't diminish it as a show. It doesn't diminish it actually in terms of what it's presenting, but it does diminish it in your heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why some people don't want to move from being spectators to being involved because they start to see the humanity behind what's happening. And they don't like that perspective. I'd rather be, be thrilled with the magic. I'd rather be thrilled with the mystery of it. I'd rather just see uh, the talent, the beauty, the, the, you know, the mystery. I'd rather, I don't want to see the backside of this thing. But I'm telling you. The backside of the church, it's messy, it's dirty, it's filled with humanity, but that's what causes the kingdom of God to advance to the earth. And God is looking for people who will step behind the curtain and who will endure seeing the humanity of what's behind. Because it's humans that God uses. It's imperfect people that God uses to do this thing that from a distance was so glorious and so magical and so wonderful. But it is just people. It's just people manifesting God. That's what the church is. And God is looking for people. Do you have the courage and the faith to believe that God can work through people? Now, really, you're actually answering this question for yourself. For yourself. Because the transition between going behind the curtain and being in front of the curtain is whether... See, most of us are waiting for a certain level of perfection that we presume is necessary. That's why we get disillusioned when we see imperfection in leaders. Because we think in order to be part of this show, you got to be perfect. Well, you actually haven't dealt with law yet. You haven't ever actually overcome guilt or shame or any of the reality of who you are as a human being. It's glory in earthen vessels. You will never lose your earthen vessel. And what the spiritual warfare does, it begins to remind you, you have an earthen vessel. When you start coming against principalities and powers, and suddenly these things are ignited in your being, you start to realize you have, you have an earthen vessel. And if you have not overcome uh, the guilt of having an earthen vessel, you retreat in shame. You no longer feel qualified to say the name of Jesus is holy, because you don't feel holy. You don't feel righteous suddenly. But if you have faith and you know that it's not really about you, you can say it doesn't matter what, my, what kind of mortal body I have. It doesn't matter what kind of earthen vessel because I'm not coming to you in the name of an earthen vessel. I'm coming to you in the name of the glory that's in the earthen vessel. Deal with that. But can you do that? Can we do that? Can we stand in front of the enemy and he's pointing at our earthen vessel and we can laugh? Can we laugh? Can we really laugh? It's not about that. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. So we are transitioning from a people who are on the other side of the curtain as spectators to people who are behind the curtain saying in the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God will advance. And when that spirit of accusation comes and says, I know who you are, you just say, oh, I know who I am too. It's a good thing I'm forgiven. It's a good thing my authority doesn't rest in my righteousness. It rests in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How do you, but how do you know you're doing that? How do you know you're actually standing in the righteousness of Jesus and not your own righteousness? Do you know how you know? Do you know how you know? In your attitude towards leaders. When they fail, when you see their humanity, if that diminishes them in your eyes, then it diminishes you in your own eyes when you see yours. Hello? And that's what God is trying to get. That's the bridge that God's trying to get us over. It's actually not about the leaders you see imperfection. It's the fact that you can't handle the imperfection in the mirror that you're looking into. And you're, you, you stay back from any ministry role and any kingdom authority because you're waiting for some magical thing to happen. That's never going to happen. It's never going to happen outwardly. You're not going to get that level of perfection you think is required. It's not going to happen because, A, God is working against you. He said, only by the righteousness of Jesus can you step into this place. Only by the righteousness of Jesus can you step into this place. You uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, you are preparing an army. Huh. And there is something being set before us today. There is something being set before you. Because I believe that God is saying to the people in this church, and as I was looking around this morning, I was thinking, man, it seems like our numbers are really thin. He said, yeah, there's a lot less spectators. The Lord is saying, I'm thinning out the spectators because I can bring spectators. I got no problem. But I'm looking for behind-the-scenes people, and I'm perfecting some behind-the-scenes people. And in this next harvest, as I get a, a settled group, a core in this body, you watch. I'll bring the spectators, uh, but I need the behind-the-scenes people to prepare the show for the spectators so that I can begin to bring the spectators gradually behind the show. That's the process. That's the process of building the kingdom of God because I'm not building just a system. I'm building people, individuals who participate in the kingdom of God. You are the object of God's work. He says, Paul said, we are his workmanship. We are the ones that he's preparing in Jesus' name. Lord, I say, I am your workmanship. I am the one that being, is being changed. I am the one that you are working on. Yes, in the name of Jesus, begin to speak out of your mouth. Lord, you will have dominion in my home, in my home, in my home, in my neighborhood, over my children, over the schools, over this city. Let's... Let's close this moment off. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will be your volunteers in the day of your power. Father, we choose to be refined, worked on, prepared, that we can represent you in the earth and say in the name of Jesus, and it will be done. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Murray McKinnon. Murray shared something on a plane the other day, and uh, so I was listening to a 
recording of an old sermon um, from about five years ago from here. And I think it was the week after Gideon was here. And so um, we were talking a little bit about fathers and sons. And, uh, and I think the week before we had all uh, come up to the front and honored Mark as the father of the house. And so there, we're just talking a little bit about that. And uh, Mark was, uh, was commenting about uh, fathers. And, and uh, I realized in what he said that, that perhaps I'd watched a little too much TV in my life and maybe a little bit too much Disney. And I had this romantic view of what a father is. And uh, Mark was saying that, you know, if you're looking for that nurturing father that's there every second of the day that you're actually looking for your mother and uh, so I had to stop it right there I, it just it just hit me so hard because I, I, that's what I was looking for that's what I've been that's what I had been seeking I was been looking for that kind of a father that was that you know in the shows they always show okay we're fixing your bike and then we're doing this and we're hanging out and we're doing this and they don't show the gaps in between of, of where fathers are busy doing father stuff, whatever that is. And, um, and so, so we were just talking about, he was just sharing a little bit about that idea. And so that, that, was, that was really cool just to, just to hear that kind of a perspective. And uh, oh, uh, yeah, people were asking, uh, Mark um, said, you know, how did that feel last week? And you had all these people who were up here and honoring you as a father. Like, how did that feel? Like, was that cool or powerful? Or, you know, what was that like? And he's like, you know, I didn't really think about it in, in respect of me. I, I actually thought more of it in respect of, of what that releases to everybody else when they come in line uh, with, with a father and, and what that releases in them as people, as sons, as daughters. And... Uh, so that was another really cool uh, thing of, of that alignment with that. So um, I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, no. Thank you, Murray. I, it was interesting because uh, that whole theme of uh, fathers and sons came up this morning in the prayer and how God is actually, he's about, he's doing something. Actually, I give the illustration of Perry. Perry... Perry's a, an amazing guy whom I love, and one of the things you, you realize is Perry has a, a lot of interests, and uh, he, he's working on things. I go over to his house, and uh, he'd be working on something, and he would have all his technology stuff and all around, and, and I would, of course, just the act of coming over there, I'm coming closer to what he's doing, and then I, I would ask him a question, you know, what, what is this? And he would, he would, you know, get so excited about the technology, you know, and he's all explaining, and, and he's like, like, man, I'm so happy you're even interested you know, and and uh, and that's kind of like our heavenly Father. He actually has a knowledge that he possesses that is native to him, and he is actually doing something with that knowledge. And what he's looking for is people, sons, who will come to him and say, "What are you doing?" Uh, and and who want to come into that knowledge. And the thing is, as he finds people who can come into that knowledge, then he finds people who can participate in what he's doing. And so the entirety of our journey is really about that. It's about, uh, you know, I thought about even trying to make this presentation, you know, Inc. you know, uh, this is what God is, this is the kingdom of God, is fathersandsons.inc. 
And uh, so, so uh, I, I began to pray that this morning, and that's when Murray said, well, this last week I happened to be on the plane, and I listened to this message, and, you know, what are the chances of that? 2010. Well, also, as it turns out, this morning as I was praying, I felt like God began to speak to me about something. And then while I was here, uh, and you may, maybe you're thinking, well, don't you prepare your sermon before that? I've got hundreds of sermons, and I'm preparing 20 sermons at any given time. I'm writing books. I'm writing articles. Articles continue to say. So I have many sermons. I just never assume that the one I need for this world is, is ready for this world. And so as I'm praying, God just doesn't give me specifics until I actually get in the room. And I'll, I won't even go into why that is. But anyway, so the Lord began to speak to me. He was actually pulling from a body of knowledge that he was showing me. And he said, this is what's pertinent for this morning. And so uh, I, I begin to, to think about the body of Christ, and I, I begin to ask myself this question, what, what's going on in the earth? What is God's processes? Part of my heart is, God, what are you doing and how are you doing? I, I watch certain cycles in the church, and there are cycles, and you, if you go to Europe, you're going to see it. If you go to Guatemala, you're going to see it. You're going to see it everywhere. You're going to see these cycles. And the cycles relate to the picture that I just gave you of that show. Okay, I want you to keep this in mind. That when something happens, there's always an, a, a back scene and a forward scene. Right? There's a, the people that are the audience going, ooh, oh, that's so great. And then there are the people actually putting the show on. Okay, okay. Uh, this is what's happening globally, and it's called the kingdom of God, all right? God is presenting something to the whole world, to the universe, really, to principalities and powers, to the nations, to the angels in heaven, to the residents of the nations. He's putting something on, you know, and he's using, he's using people to do that. And so uh, when you first get saved... You actually get saved into this thing. It's like coming into a theater. You're, you become one of the people in the pews. You're watching the show. But eventually, he starts showing you what the show is about. Here's the problem with that. As I shared earlier, is you begin to see that it's not as magical as you thought it was. Okay? Uh, how many of you worked in children's church ever? Right? Do you remember the moment... When you realized those puppets weren't really alive as a child? Anybody, anybody actually have a vivid moment where like, well, you know, it's maybe usually it's too, too far back in our childhood memory. But there's a moment when you realize what this thing really is, okay? That there's not actually living puppets, you know, called, uh, you know, Ernie and Bert. Spike and Feather, yes. Spike and Feather are actually just Jim Denotter behind there pretending to be somebody, and his hand was in a cloth. <laughs> what? It was so magical. And, you, of course, as adults, you're looking like, how can they be so mesmerized by this so clearly artificial show? Right? You know, but they're like, you know, but... It, What's disappointing is as they move along, right, you, you, when the children lose that magical, it's kind of, ah, too bad. You know, that's a joy you will never get again. Unless 
unless you change seats and you go behind the scenes and you experience it vicariously as one behind the scenes and you experience, you see the value of it because of what it does for the kids. Because of what it does for the kids. All right, now, there's two types of people, though, who, you know, let's say we'll stick with the puppet show analogy. There's two types of people in terms of the puppet show analogy. There's those who, when the realization that this is not, in fact, magical and that these characters are not really alive and that somebody's got three voices and some of them, you know, oddly, very much like the others, uh, you pull away completely. You, you write it off and you mock anybody who is still enamored with it. You ever see that happen where, you know, some teenagers, you know, teenagers, they, sorry, teenagers. Um, sometimes teenagers, they're in that place where, you know, they're so, they, they've coming, they're coming out of this childhood stage, but then suddenly they're so superior, they sort of look with disdain on those stages and, and it's like, ah, that's so blah, blah, blah. And they diminish the whole value of the enterprise and they don't want to have anything to do with it. Right? That happens in church. That happens. I want you to keep in mind that analogy because that happens in churches all over the world. There's a, po a point in your life where you begin to realize that this thing called the church, that is when you first got saved, was so magical. And so ah, you start to realize it's just people. It's just people. This, this is just a... And some people get disillusioned and bitter. This is just a human agency. It's just the manifestation of men. And, and then you start seeing the infighting and the imperfection behind you. It's just like you, people are just walking away from the church because, oh, it's, it's, it's just men. Why do, we, why do we even have to go to church on Sunday? It's just, you know, some guy's made up thing that, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that bitterness and that disillusionment colors and steals away your level of participation. Whereas you were meant to go from the audience to the cast, you left the room entirely. This is happening globally. Now, what is the, what is the spiritual reality behind these things? Let me read a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to show you a series of photos. So... Uh, uh, hopefully, we just sort of set this up this morning, so because I, I got the picture while I was in in worship here, but um, so here's here's the scripture I want to read to you. It's in First Corinthians eleven verse twenty. Um, let me go read verse eighteen. Sorry, let's go back to seventeen, just for context. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for better, but for worse. Now, they were having a real problem here. There was a lot of divisive people fighting for preeminence in the church. And he says, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. You know, he's just saying, listen, I don't have a problem believing that. <laughs> I've seen you guys up close, you know. Uh, for there must also be factions among you that those who are approved 
may be recognized among you. That's very important. Very important. Listen, there, there will always be divisions in the same way in, within any enterprise, there are different departments and different categories and different levels of participation. There's management, there's workers, and all that kind of thing. And he says, listen, there need to be factions because Paul understood this process. He understood this process of you losing the, the, the magic and deciding to dishonor those who are pre presenting the magic, so to speak. And that's essentially what happens. And, you know, but it happened in sort of quadrants. There's groups of people, well, this is, less, this is less valid than that and so on and so forth. So that's the, that's the nature of division. But the real heart of the issue, as you're going to see, is the fact... It's the fact that demonic spirits are trying to interfere with this sermon. I don't know what's going on there. So... Let's keep reading. So he says, for this, there must be factions. It's natural that there are factions or groups or divisions among you, so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you came together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, he's given a specific illustration because they were coming together to eat the Lord's Supper, you know, to have a, a feast together. And um, there was, rather than it being a celebration of unity and a celebration of the body of Christ, which it was supposed to be, ended up being a celebration of their factions, a celebration of their divisions, the, the airing of all the, uh, the way they were dishonoring one another. So it says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? It should be kind of like a question mark. Mark, For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Well, what kind of church are you going to? <laughs> you know, how did you let it get to that? Well, you know, in our feasts, we're not even allowed to have alcohol. What? Do you think, do you not have houses to eat or drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Okay. Tell us what you really think. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, and this is my body, which is broken in remembrance of you. In the same manner, he also took the cup and the, after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink uh, this cup, Eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Okay. That, you should read that over and over and over and over and over and over and over, because that problem did not stop 2,000 years ago. That is the same problem we're having today in the body. It is an inability to discern the Lord's body. 
an inability to discern the Lord's body. Because when here's what here's 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 what happens. Let's go back to our puppet show. We got the puppet show thing. That's the church, right? It's the sum total of everything we do as a people, all right? When you come into it as a child, it's like, oh, this is so amazing. But eventually, eventually you start to lose what that is. They're just men. They're just men. This is what they were doing when they started to come into relationship and have tension and their love began to be challenged, and when they began to see the imperfections of people who are actually in charge of this thing, that they're actually humans and not, you know, uh, walking on air, you know, half-golden-orbed angelic beings, you know, that they're actually people who eat and drink and, and have marriages and have bad days and good days. And there's, it's like, uh, that's not the Lord's body. That's just these imperfect people. I want you to get this. Not discerning the Lord's body and having judgment falling to you is because it is the Lord's body and you're calling it just people. You hear what I'm saying? So people come into church, well, you know, the church is just filled with this and that and the other thing, and, and it's, just, it's just an institution made up of men, and it's the bylaws, and it's the people, everybody wants to be in control. And I'm just going to go and have my own church where I'm in charge of this. And then others can say that to me. This is nothing. Because somehow, a less sophisticated expression of this is pure. You know how all this division comes to pass? It's because we lose the ability to discern the Lord's body. We don't see the parts as the manifestation of the Lord's body. Instead, we are disillusioned by the reality of the human element. Ah, that's just a hand in a mitt. That Jesse Martineau is just a hand in a mitt. I've seen these, who does he think he is? Being all prophetic and blah, blah, blah. Right? I, listen, I have heard this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and I'm trying to thank God. Is the, how do we help the people? How do we help the people as they're coming into that season of their life where the, the magic, you know, the veil is coming off, and they're seeing it's actually an honor. It's actually an honor. God is saying, listen, I want to show you the guts of this thing. This is so good. Here's my church. I want to show you the guts of this thing. It's the... I don't want to be part of that. That's, uh, uh, that's what it really is. It's all imperfection and humans. And he said, no, 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 no. This is the beauty or glory in earthen vessels. Glory in earthen vessels. See, put up my first, uh, my first thing. I've never seen this, so we'll see. hopefully this works. Okay, so there's, there's a beautiful, uh, beautiful photo, right? When I first got into the technological age, I saw this beautiful photo, and, and I started doing, you know, graphic things for, you know, stuff I was producing, writings, and, and CDs and stuff. And, but I began to realize that my, my first computer was a, a Mac Plus, and, uh, you know, I had, I had a 20-meg hard drive. Mm -hmm, that, was that was amazing. You know, I had two, I had a two-megabyte uh, table uh, desktop, you know, as like RAM, two megabytes. Well, anyway, 
I started to realize that as you got closer, see right now, that looks beautiful. But actually, this photo is, is, is beautiful from afar. But if you get up close, it's actually made of tiny little pixels. And it looks very different from afar than it does from up close. So let's go a little closer. I think that's the same one. Okay, there's there's a there's a better one. Notice how it's starting to get blurry. Okay, let's get closer still. Let's get closer still. Now, can we get right down to some individual pixels? Is do we have that, or something like that? No. Well, that's as close as we get. If you actually went to some of the you know, and again, I don't know the difference. I had a dot matrix printer and everything. But these photos, which from afar look so, oh, that's a beautiful photo. When you start getting close to it, you know, it's made up of these little squares and these jagged edges. There's some, nothing smooth about this graphic at all. It's actually, each individual pixel has these really hard edges. You know, when you're looking at the body of Christ from a distance and you're not on the inward, you know, it looks so beautiful. But when you get up close, these pixels got a lot of hard edges, right? They're not so wonderful in and of themselves. That's just a pixel. See, this is the mystery of the kingdom of God is that God is manifesting his beauty through the full thing. But when you get up close, you realize it's made up very imperfect little pixels. You're a pixel, and 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 you're a pixel. And, uh, you know, to become actually a part of this thing involves a collective miracle on the side of God. That he somehow reveals glory through earthen pixels. Glory is being released in the earth through earth and pixels. But as soon as people get introduced to the actual structure of this thing, all they see is the earth and vessels. And the disappointment, and here, here's the next part. The disappointment kills them. The disappointment brings disillusionment because they can't handle the transition. They all of a sudden say, well, this is not real then. This is not authentic then. This is not genuine. No, this is proof that God is so great that he can use these imperfect pixels and represent something decent. He has positioned these pixels in the picture as he has decided it's appropriate. And you've come in and you're saying, oh, I don't like that pixel. That whole section of pixels there, I'm writing that one off. You know what you're doing? You're drinking judgment to yourself. You actually are coming into a place where you are criticizing uh, the works of God, the containers of God. You're starting to, to, to actually criticize what God is building. And the reason you're doing it is because, and here's the, here's the leap I'm going to have to make, the, because of the thing that we've been talking about forever here. You know what the thing we're talking about forever it all comes down to you. It all comes down to you. Let me try and summarize really quickly. Uh, when I was a young Christian, I 
jumped into the magic that was the church and started participating. And because of my gifts and calling and everything, I started stepping into things really fast. And because, you know, I was functioning in these prophetic things, I, I assumed a certain level of perfection. I assumed, a certain, you know, I was, God's using me. He must think I'm way better than everybody else. I mean, look at the prophetic words I'm getting. Look at the, how the insight is. Even my teachers don't even understand this. And I try and talk to them about it, and they're like, hmm. And I just, you know, I am better. And they said, okay, Pixel. Let me show you some of your broken edges. And so I went through this thing. It was very demoralizing to realize I had all these broken, uh, you know, I was, had all these huge imperfections. And I, can't, I won't even share the, the, the nature of that particular encounter, but it was crushing. And it took me really a couple of years to really fully come back to the place where I thought I could be used. Because whether you know it or not, when you're in a place of immature faith, God can only use perfect people. You may not say that, but that's what you really feel in your heart. And so you have to assume a certain level of perfection to be used. And when God starts to show you, starts to bring you, he's trying to bring you to another level of faith, he says, he starts to say, listen, it's not about you at all. I'm going to show you your pixelation. I'm going to show you your earthen vessel. There is glory that comes through an earthen vessel. And I'm trying to shift to show you that your confidence can be in the glory that's in the earthen vessel without writing off the earthen vessel or excusing the earthen vessel. That's a process, and that takes some time. But what started to happen, initially what happened, when I, start, when I saw my earthen vessel, suddenly, and, you know, no criticism for those sitting at the back, but I started sitting at the back. So I felt disqualified, you know. And I know some of you are sitting at the back for, you know, because you came in late and because you got kids, you got to run out. So this is not a reflection on you. But the disillusionment... Of who, about myself caused me to withdraw from all the things I was doing and so excited about. Furthermore, what it began to do is make begin to make me cause start to look and see the imperfection in others that were doing it and start to believe that, well, they're just hypocrites. This happened while I was in Bible school, by the way. They're just, yeah, yeah that person up there singing and all anointed and everything, but I know who they really are. God was trying to get me to overcome myself. My disregard for the body was my inability to step into a place about a faith regarding me. Hello. My inability to love them. The truth is, the leaders that got a place in my life were way ahead of me in this thing. I was just discovering pixelation. They knew pixelation long before. They've gone to the place where it's not about my pixelation. It's about God inside the pixelation. And so then I can boldly step out anyway, not because I have regard for me, and I'm not going to not step forward because I have disregard for me. I'm going to step forward anyway because the two are true at the same time. And they genuinely began to believe that. And suddenly, it's not me, it's Christ. See, that's what Paul realized. It's, it's not me, it's the grace in me. 
all the things I'm doing, you know, and I'm, he's traveling and all kinds of, he says, I'm working harder than all the other apostles. And he did that. He's trying to prove his apostleship. He said, he said, I'm working harder than all the others. And blah, 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 blah. He said, but it's not me. Don't, don't misunderstand me. He said, I'm not taking credit for this. It's, it's me, but it's not me. That's the mystery of godliness. The mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And many of us are stuck in that no man's land where we've begun to see, or maybe, you know, maybe it's not even the product of revelation. Maybe you're just brighter than the average monkey. Maybe you just see, you know, I just know I'm just not that great. And uh, first of all, these guys are stepping forward. They must be really great. At least I realize they're not really great. So, depending on where you, what you decide to do with that revelation about yourself will determine how you view them and will determine whether you step into the fray or you don't. So, which is it going to be? What are we going to be? Are we going to be the kids who, all right, I'm seeing what this puppet show is really about, but man, it's worth it. There's something imparted to those kids, and it transforms them, and it brings life to them, and it's, it's you know, there's something, there's something in the manifestation of God through these human agencies of worshipers, of people who are imperfect, and preachers, and exhorters, and all. There's something in this of God that is, even though it's made up of man, it's not man. It's God. The people that really become a part of this are the ones that cross over to a place where they get a comfort level with their humanity. Realize, it's not about me. It's really not about me. It's really, really, really not about me. I remember when I first started to do this, and I was a little intimidated when Wendy would come to events with me. I didn't discourage her from coming, but anyway... It was like, yeah, she, you know, kind of sees who I really am. I'm not that spiritual. And I almost feel this counterintuitive thing where, you know, I don't really deserve to be being this bold about the glory of God because I'm, I've looked in the mirror. And furthermore, my wife has held the mirror right in front of my face. So I had to, there was this awkward thing where, can I still be bold about in the name of Jesus and Lord, take this city and have a weak moment last night or where I was a little miserable or, you know, where I, where I, you know, was undisciplined or where I yelled at the kids all day. And then, yeah, I yell at the kids all day and then go to church and say, hallelujah. What, what, can you do that? Well, you can't ignore the fact that you yelled at the kids all day. That's something you deal with. But these things are entirely separate. That's what, that's what faith realizes, that even though it's glory in earthen vessels, that the two are separate. And even though the, the earthen vessel is involved in pouring out the glory, the earthen vessel does not own the glory, is not responsible for the glory's presence in it. That's why you can have boldness. These don't mix, and I'm comfortable with that. So I'll continue to let God, you know, work on the transformation of this, you know, earthen vessel, but with the realization that there are certain things that will not go away until I actually am changed in the twinkling of an eye when my body puts on the same immortality that my spirit has now embraced. 
Does this make sense? So when Paul's talking to the church here, he's saying, you guys don't know what you're doing. When you take it upon yourself to diminish this group of people because of their earthen vessels, you're actually diminishing yourself. You're actually revealing that you can't deal with the fact that you have an earthen vessel. But more than that, you are now messing with God's vessels. Because this collective thing called the body of Christ is not a fabrication of men. This is a fabrication of God. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This imperfect thing that seems to be always controlled by human agency is actually God is the one. He is able to pull the strings behind the scene in ways that you don't even know. You need to honor that and honor the fact that the very fact that God has deemed this person suitable for this role means God has decided this person is suitable for that role and not me. Yeah, well, if I were God. Is that really, that's the foundation of all. That's why you get the judgment. Because at some level, I believe I'm better than God. I, I put my judgment over God's judgment. You know, you go to James, you go to John, you go to Peter, you go all through the Scripture. This is the teaching. This is what he was dealing with. All the apostles were dealing with it because he's trying, they were trying to get people from being spectators to being part of the core. It's not about activity. It's about heart. It's about faith. It's about revelation. It's about a comfort level with who you are, who you really are. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you a little snapshot of, of my life as I know it. The imperfection moments are becoming less and less, even though that whole area is immaterial to who I am in the body of Christ. So what's happening is the spillover of the glory inside the earthen vessel is increasingly starting to eat at the walls of the earthen vessel. So the earthen vessel is getting thinner and thinner and thinner, though you can't tell. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? There's less... Less of me and more of him. And so there's less moments of selfishness. There's less moments of, of, of whatever, frustration, anger, jealousy, lust, all of those things. The, the, the earthen vessel is occupying less space and the glory is occupying more space. But the, 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 the existence of earthen vessel and glory has always been there all along. It neither validates nor invalidates the reality of the glory that's there. If I could start to see the body of Christ. You know why I love people? Because I don't really see the earthen vessel. I see the earthen vessel as transient container. Because I see the glory on the other side. And it's poking through different behaviors, poking through different encounters, different moments where, where something of the love of God shines through you, even, you know, in your beard, even your beard. I look at Jesse, you know, there's something in that beard and the glasses that just shines through. It's Jesus. I just, he's so, what a beautiful face. And I look around and I see people, but, well, what if we're not beautiful? Well, we're not, but it doesn't matter because when there's light shining, whatever light shines through is attractive. 
And that's what's happening. It's just more light is shining through thinner and thinner veneers. And that transformation is taking place. And my goal, my role, is if I could just increase the glory inside of you and decrease the veneer, I'm walking you through that process and then engaging you in the larger participation so that your pixel matters in a corporate way. God, I have been praying and asking the Lord, what are you doing with us as a body? And I've, I feel this again and again and again and again and again. God's saying, listen, I got no problem bringing in spectators. In fact, you know, whole churches are built around spectatorship. What I really want is behind-the-scenes workers, people who, who actually have stepped through the disillusionment that the magic is not so magical and now can be part of the real show, the real demonstration of glory. I, I can get spectators by the hundreds of thousands like that. Sons and daughters, it's a whole other process. And so he's asking me, will you be part of me raising mature sons and daughters? Or are you interested in a large number of spectators? What kind of ratio would you hope to be in your in your purview, spectators versus participants, cast, staff, you know, behind the scenes, lighting people, you know, the production takes all kinds of, not just the actors on the stage, but, and I've, I have said, Lord, I said, what's most important is that you have sons, daughters, mature ones who understand the production, who are part of the actual guts of this thing. Who wants to be part of the guts of the kingdom of God? Father, I pray today. I'm going to open this up. There may be uh, some things that... Oh, come on. Come on right now then. I was hoping some of the, the leaders would maybe add some dimensions. Well, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get an assignment. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I, Jim took the mic. There's going to be an assignment. Okay, so here's the deal. We recognize that the earthen vessel is getting thinner. But I'm telling you, the earthen vessel's still there, right? So as we speak right now, we got a whole pile of imperfect people sitting together, worshiping together, functioning together, growing together, and learning to love. But here's an interesting piece. So when you look back at 1 Corinthians 11 that we were just looking at earlier, do you understand what that Lord's Supper was? That was every single day. They were getting together and they were sharing things in common. They were having dinner together, potluck, every day. Okay? So the Lord's Supper is not just the special communion that we do here on the first Sunday of the month where we take a little wafer and a little cup. That's got an important tradition to it as well. But the Lord's Supper is when you eat. Got it? You are the body, right? You are, the, you are Christ's body. We all are the body of Christ. That's that whole thing about discerning the body. That's discerning us. And so, when you eat, that's the Lord's Supper. When are you supposed to ensure that you're not wrongly discerning the body? When you eat. So, how many of you 
generally, traditionally say a grace before a meal? See, hands. Jonathan, no grace before a meal? What? Who raised you? What? Anyway, okay. Oh, the hand went up. It's all good. Okay. Now, so here's my challenge for you this week. Every time you say grace before a meal, each time, or during the grace, ask the Lord right there, and Lord, help me to see your people the way you do. Can you do that? Write it down if you need to. Lord, help me to see your people the way you do. Say it at the grace for each meal this coming week. I bet you by next Sunday, you'll be looking at people and loving them even more. Amen. Let me just add one other dimension. Part of the role of spiritual leadership in the house is to walk us through uh, this journey. One of the things that we discover along the way sometimes is that I'm more comfortable with your earthen vessel than you are. Uh, when we're immature, we tend to want to dismiss or pretend the earthen vessel's not there or minimize the importance of the earthen vessel. Uh, you know, head in the sand kind of thing. What's that animal? The ostrich. I was going to say emu, but that wasn't right. That's that's why you can love people. People ask, well, how, why do you love these people? Well, because, eh, I just do. Because I love me. I love me. I've seen who I am, and I'm not surprised who you are. I'm not shocked. I, I, that's why, you know, we talk about issues of, you know, why do you think there are some people struggle with pornography in our church? Oh, way worse. Aren't you shocked by that? Aren't you horrified? Uh, no. Why? Because I've seen my earthen vessel. And I know there's power and there's glory and there's grace to change that. But it's not about what's wrong with the earthen vessel. It's about bringing that earthen vessel to the light with the glory. And uh, that's why we don't have to be afraid. That's why God is always trying, I love you. I love you. He's trying to say, I love you. 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 So you get comfortable with yourself. When you really start to believe that God loves you, then you stop hiding what's wrong with you and bringing it to the light. And that's where real freedom starts. So let me pray then. Father, we just, uh, we bless you. We bless you today for this body. God, we, uh, we want to be part of the hope of glory, Christ in us. Lord, we want the, uh, the glory in earthen vessels to speak louder than the earthen vessels. Father, uh, bring us to the place where we function as a part of this body and honor every part of the body where we value everyone, where we're not at all inclined to diminish any part. Father, where we love everyone, accept everyone. Doesn't mean we can't negotiate things and change things and modify things, but Lord, we love and honor everyone. Father, remove that contention, division, 
from the midst of us that was in the Corinthian church and in all the churches of that day. Father, free us and help us to be a manifestation of your heart to this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe that just by virtue of the fact that, you know, and that you're so receptive to this thing, I, I just pray that the revelation of the picture of this will constrain your view of the body of Christ and what God is doing in the earth so that you can stay in the game, that you won't get disillusioned either with yourself or others you think are worse than yourself. Um, so bless you. Chris, come on.